Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Podnuts World Service. Please let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media. Podcasts from the Podnuts World Service are supported by Podnuts and advertising. Hey, hey, Podnutsians, welcome to DDG episode 19. This is Door Door Geek. And yes, once again, I'm going to mention TechCon Unplugged, September 20th through 22nd, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, going to do everything in my power to be there. Should be a really good time, really good people. Uh, once again, September 20th through 22nd, TechConUnplugged.com. It's going to be a bunch of people uh, smarter than I talking about computer repair, computer repair business, customer service through technology, and everything in between. Uh, and I will say this, without a shadow of a doubt, some of the smartest people uh, I've ever talked to in my life are going to be there. So it should be a really good time. Uh, right now, it's $199. Uh, I will encourage people to register sooner rather than later, or else it might not be available. I am personally looking uh, to getting podnuts.com domain registration completed. And then once I do that, the very next purchase I do is going to be my tickets to TechCon Unplugged. I really do hope to see a lot of people there. And I want to say uh, thank you to Jeff, Paco, Marvin, John Dubinsky, everybody else. Chris, I haven't heard of Chris in a while now that I say that out loud. Uh, I want to thank everyone for all their support throughout the years, whether it is Nick from D7, Steve Turbino, Timster, everybody who ever supported the network in the past. Thank you very much. This will be a great opportunity to support the network, techconunplugged.com. We'll say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Festivus, anything that gets you giggity, giggity, giggity. Uh, just interpret, I just said it right there. Uh, I will say it is around 1.35 a.m. Saturday night, Sunday morning before Christmas. Uh, I will say I've had a very interesting year in general all around. Goes without saying kind of thing. I am supposed to be recording an episode of Linux for the, the rest of us in, in this time, but um, I'm doing a DDD, DDG instead. I typically do one DDG, then one Linux for the rest of us, and then back and then forth and then back and then forth. But I wanted to do a DDG partially just because it's right before the holiday season. I am quite inebriated. I am drinking Weinstefaner, Hefeweizen. Uh, long story short. Tracy Holtz, one of the best guys I know. We did a podcast for a very little bit of time called Pod Brewers. This was one of the beers that he, this was one of the breweries, correction, that he educated me on. Um, this is one of the oldest continuous running breweries in the world. Uh, basically, they're, they are sticking with the um, German purity law which was established in uh, about 1516. That's the best I could ever possibly do in pronouncing it. It's basically the 
1516 Bavarian Purity Law or the German Beer Purity Law, which means this law was created back before a time we even knew of the existence of microbes, bacteria, germs, or yeast. So back then, when the jaw, when this law was first created, you, you could only add, I want to say, two or three things to beer, and that was it. And it was because back in the day, water was much more deadlier than beer. They weren't really sure why. Basically, boiling killed everything. So beer was considerably safer than your average tap water in your industrialized areas. You know, that was back when we only had like a billion people or less. Where now we're insane in the um, world. But um, this beer, this brewery adheres to this law. This is what I appreciate about this beer. This beer is done in such a means, such a measure, such a formula. That means it should be an utterly boring and tasteless beer. But because they have to adhere to such restraints in their crafting process, um, it means that they have to be more deliberate about everything that goes into it. They have to be more exact and more consistent about everything going into it. I've drank this beer now off and on for six or seven years. I, I honestly can't tell you. And the one thing I can tell you, it is unbelievably consistent and good. And here's the reason why I say it's good. Uh, it, if you're in a rush, air quotes, you can just grab one of these beers, drink it, and it tastes just fine. It tastes like a beer. It doesn't taste like anything special. It it honestly tastes least offensive right out of the fridge. But with a Bavarian uh, beer of such a nature, which this is the Hefeweizen, which is the more wheat white beer, um, if you let it sit around and get much closer to like, I want to say a 38 to 42 degree temperature range, um, much more flavors emerge from the beer. And to be honest, just make it taste that much better. Again, 1.39 a.m. right before Christmas. This is the kind of podcast I hope you come to expect. So the um, Weinstefaner Hefeweizen is the beer that you can give me anywhere, any event, and you are assured that I will always say thank you and take the beer out of your hands because any opportunity I have to have this beer, I will always take as being a very positive thing. I hope everyone is prepared, ready for the best possible holiday you can have. Again, I will say I've had two people contact me on my personal line, uh, and I will say one of them uh, just made me smile for at least half a day. And it's because they went out of their way to support, they've went out of their way to support Podnuts over the years in, an, in a very extreme fashion, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I'm sure they also consider themselves to be like a normal Podnutsians, even though, you know, they're much greater. Um, again, the phone number is uh, 406-763-6889. Uh, and, and again, it, if you can always text me first, it just means a greater likelihood I'll actually answer the line. If you or someone you know need somebody to talk to this time of the year for any reason uh please don't hesitate call that number up i will be there for everybody um this is a very important uh time of the year and i will say i'm i understand you know now being near 50 years old i've uh i've um done everything in my power to now do everything that i ever could do to try to make sure that my spouse and children are as happy as they could possibly be um, to the nth degree, 
Uh, they are first. They will always be first. Everybody I do podcast with, I always try to make sure they understand it. It's always family first. Podcasting is something you do only when time becomes available. And I'll say right now, 1.40 a.m. time is available. So I want to thank everyone for their support. Okay, now the and it, there's already going to be a couple links in the notes. That's a given. I'm going to do my best to actually do these correctly and accurately. The thing I really do want to talk about next is amazing, okay? It's called um, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Uh, If you look it up on YouTube, Cartoon All-Stars, All-Stars is all one word, I will say that. It is about a 32 to 33 minute long video. And all I'm going to say is I am blown completely away. This, to me, is an amazing piece of history. Um, I cannot believe such a thing was made, much less published. Okay, I'm also going to try to make sure this is in the notes as well. And this is one reason why I cannot do this show live. I don't like the idea of streaming a live episode of DDG just because what you guys do not see in the end process is the number of times that I literally hit pause. And I click through things to make sure that I have things properly documented, properly whatever. And on video, you would be just sitting here watching me do nothing for like 10, 20 seconds. Uh, I'm tagging the Create Unknown podcast, which is a audio podcast from the makers of a YouTube channel called Vsauce, or more poignantly, Vsauce 2 is one of the main hosts on the show. It's uh, Kevin from Vsauce 2 and Matt from I don't know what the hell he's from. And like their second or third episode was with Jake from Vsauce 3. Okay, so that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, calling stuff out. Okay, Vsauce. Vsauce is a channel that started with, I don't know, garbage stuff, but ended up becoming almost basically a, 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 a channel filled with educational or Good content that involved a lot of deep questions about everything in the universe and physics and science and reality and whatever, whatever, whatever. Vsauce 2 is the same kind of thing, just with a different host. So there's a different twang on it. There's a different personality onto it. And then Vsauce 3, so forth and so on. Same type of interesting content put with its own perspective on it from its own host perspective. Michael is uh, Vsauce 1. The guy I just said is Vsauce 2, and then Jake is Vsauce 3. And the and the episode of this podcast called The Creative Unknown, it might have been two or three, I don't know. Jake mentioned this cartoon videotape that his mom used to get from, I think it was Blockbuster, for, for uh, free. So they got it all the time because when they were young, they didn't have a lot of money. So this was one of the rentals the mom could always ask for, and it would always be available. So Jake always had something to watch. And I could picture this being on like infinite loop in the background of this guy's house. And I, so I said, I got to watch this video. I watched this video. This is one of the most disturbing things I think I've ever watched in my life. And I never knew this existed. Wow. There's a lot of Wakia sites out there. Muppet.wakia. Hannah-Barbera.Wakia, Garfield.Wakia, Ideas.Wakia, Disney.Wakia, Wow, Wow, Wow. It, it, it keeps going. 
I'm starting to use Start Page instead of Google just as an experiment. Quite interesting results. Okay. Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue is a 1990 animated drug abuse prevention television special starring many popular cartoon characters from American weekday, Sunday morning, and Saturday morning television cartoons. At the time of its release, financed by McDonald's and the Ronald McDonald's Children Charities, it was originally simulcast on April 21st, 1990 on all four major American television networks. Wow, 1990, so I was literally 18 years old. What's the likelihood I actually, no, wait, hold on, 18, yeah, 72, eight, 18 years old. So this was the year I was supposed to graduate from high school, April, literally right before I was supposed to graduate from high school. This thing aired simulcast on April 21st, 1990 on all four major television networks by supporting their Saturday morning characters, ABC, NBC, Fox, and CBS, and most independent stations as well as various cable networks. McDonald's also distributed the VHS home video edition of its product by Buna Vista Home Video, which I always pronounce wrong, which opened with an introduction from President George H. W. Bush and First Lady Barbara Bush and their dog, Millie. Okay. The intro was fantastic because Barbara Bush could not stop petting the dog. It was very obvious the dog was going to either freak out, pee, or whatever. So Barbara could not stop petting the dog, like scratching the dog's head. And But immediately, as quick as possible, the camera made it very clear she and the dog were inconsequential. And it immediately zoomed right in on President George H.W. Bush. And I love saying President George H.W. Bush. That's a lot of syllables, man. Uh, it very quickly cut to him only and saying a little blurb and then went right into the cartoon. Okay. I'm going to stop reading the cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue Wikipedia page, but this will also be in the notes. And once again, I'm going to pause. This is why I can't stream the video because I'm literally clicking things, clicking things, clicking things, clicking things. Then looking at my beer and thinking, I need another sip. And I take another sip. So if anybody needs any videos I ever talk about and they do not want to access YouTube, do not hesitate. Let me know. I have copies of everything because that's what I do. To me, this is a very important retrospective on modern American 1990s mindsets, beliefs, misnomers, whatever you want to put it, okay? I definitely encourage people to sit down and watch this video. This is about a 20, 30 minute video where random, seemingly cartoon characters from Smurfs to Alvin and the Chipmunks, Winnie the Pooh, Donald Duck. I mean, it keeps going on and on and on and on and on. I'll just say personally to me, maybe the high point was just about halfway in, which is about 15 minutes in when it was Muppet Babies. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Muppet Babies was one of the best freaking cartoons that ever existed and here's the real question a lot of people i know think they like the muppet babies they really do and honestly i understand why they do it's a great cartoon but a lot of people just think they like the muppet babies they don't actually like the muppet babies because here's the question i always ask them what was outside of the muppet babies room and nobody in my life has ever been able to answer that question accurately including my loving wife, which I will say no one I've ever experienced in my life has more patience 
than my wife because she should have killed me by now. But let's digress. No one knows what the answer is to that question, yet I seem to know exactly what the answer to that question is. Anytime they opened a window or a door in that cartoon, at least that's what it seemed like, it happened at least three or four times during two or three seasons, at least four or five times. They would open a window or a door and it would be space hollow empty space and it would be scenes from star wars basically in the background but they weren't always action sequences from star wars only like one or two were action sequences where you actually saw ships going by kind of thing so what people don't know is the entire universe of muppet babies happens within the dream or memory or whatever parallel existence to the star wars universe and that's one of the reasons why muppet babies is the most unusually yet cool cartoon i think i've ever watched in my life period okay now let's digress again cartoon all stars to the rescue is a public psa from 1990s trying to tell i don't even know what age of kids not to do drugs which is okay it happened after um nancy reagan and the just say no thing so that started, I want to say, 84, possibly. No, 80. No, it, was, it must have been either 82 to 90 or 80 to 88, whatever. Because that was when um, Reagan was in the presidency and Nancy Reagan said, just say no. And this basically carried on the same philosophy of just say no, just say no, just say no. Um, this is what I will say. And this is, to be honest, the same exact kind of conversation i had with at least one of my kids so far the other one i haven't had the conversation yet but you cannot say a negative in life and this is one of my like core beliefs about everything okay we're going to rewind back a lot we're going to rewind back like light years in what it means when i first start to sit down with my children and talk about drugs and the first thing is perception is reality okay as we go through life we are a three-dimensional object traveling through a four-dimensional universe. We are we are ourselves what we perceive going through in a one-way time machine with no control over the throttle. We go one second at a time in forward in life. And everything that we see, think, feel, believe is our reality and how we react upon it is what we are in the end of our life. Okay. Doing drugs there is no good or bad. This is the first and first thing I have to l literally push through to my kids. The last thing I want to do is demonize anything to my children. Because I know once I demonize something, it's going to have some measure of temptation behind it. So the first thing I do is I try to explain to my kids how there is no such thing as good or evil. Everything that we experience, everything that we interact with, everything we have the opportunity to touch, feel, or believe is merely just a tool into our own existence. We can make anything good, bad, or, or irrelevant based upon our actions. So when we experience things, we have to understand they could lend themselves to something we could define as good. There are things out there that can lend themselves to things that we could classify as evil. But it's how we act with them, how we interact with them, and how we let them influence everything else that we do on our four-dimensional drift 
through this thing called existence in life. Wow, that was a lot. Okay. With drugs, I will say I've heard very interesting studies come out where there was the rat back in, I think it was the 70s, where the guy did a test with heroin and opioids because that's one of the dirty secrets. Um, Heroin, opioids, all of it is like um, oxy, whatever. It's the same drug. It's just different potencies. Um, And how we react to them, this person was trying to deduce. And what they did was they gave some rat in a cage, a bottle with water with a certain measure of heroin in it. And they saw how the rat went completely berserker crazy and basically killed in themselves drinking this water-laden heroin when right next to it was perfectly fine water. And it was just them in a cage by themselves kind of thing and they were like this rat is literally going crazy killing himself going crazy with this addiction to heroin when he has perfectly good water sitting right next to him and this is one of the things we are not rats but okay it doesn't mean we're not rats either it is neither mutually inclusive or exclusive with rats there are tendencies we share from rats because there is a common ancestor if we go back far enough but we are not rats because of we're not rats so they what they noticed was this rat was killing himself in addiction literally killing himself in addiction and what this guy figured out i want to say back in the 70s was let's give this thing this rat a rat palace a rat you um utopia a pat a rat utopian ecosystem whatever you want to call it we're the rat had a many a great number of other rats around it also had plenty of room to move around it also had plenty activities which into partake in like i don't know rat pits with balls and things to climb and tubes and tunnels it also had plenty of food it had plenty of water and they had bottles of water sitting around with heroin in them and what they noticed was an insanely small percentage of the rats would voluntarily go crazy on the heroin-laced water until the point to where they actually died. And what this doctor was trying to show was a, um, a addiction is almost as much of a social thing as it is a physical thing. Okay, drugs. We're going back to me talking to my kids about drugs. Okay. Your experience, your perception of reality is defined by you and your brain because the brain is consciousness. Consciousness is, is what we cannot define, blah, blah, blah. AI doesn't exist. Our brain is a certain layout of neural connections among millions, if not billions, of neurons in our head. Okay, I've had many concussions in my life. Here's what I say about our connections in our neural network. If we were to take our brain and put it inside of a container and shake it really bad, those connections would shift, change, maneuver to some degree. And what would come out the other side is a different brain because the connections define the network. We are a sum of our neural connections in our brain. 
And we as people are constantly changing. The only constant in this universe is change. Those connections, while can be stable, also are infinitely changing. We are always changing. Our thought process is always changing. Our belief structure is always changing. Our age is always changing. We are always changing. Time is infinitely changing. So, but, but if we take certain types of drugs or certain types of physical activities, like, I don't know, professional grade tackling football, our brain's neural network will be affected. And I try to be as neutral as possible when I say affected. And because, and the reason I say that, and I do say that to my kid, um, I did say it to my oldest son, that when you take a drug, the mapping the layout, the precise organization of your neural network will change to some degree. The question is, is what is the drug that you're taking? What is the potency of the drug you're taking? What is the frequency with you are taking that drug? That's going to determine the level of manipulation in your neural network, which will literally change how you think. There's little doubt in my mind Drugs over a length of time, a given length of time, will ultimately change your thought process. I grew up in a place, uh, Glen Burnie, uh, which I want to say it was maybe in the local farm store on Oak Manor and Oakwood Drive, or it might have been in the Pizza Express on Aquahart Road, right by Channel 3 Video Store and racks roast beef back in the day uh on their town map where they had like a map up on the wall they would show the towns and you would see pasadena maryland brooklyn park maryland severna park blah 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 blah. but it would also show like sub districts i guess is the right word and where i lived was called dundee maryland uh dundee inside of glen burnie inside of anne arundel county inside of Maryland, inside of the United States, inside of North America, inside of the Western Hemisphere, blah, 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 blah. And where I was at, there was a good amount of people doing a good amount of drugs for a good amount of time, is the way I'll put it. And I did everything in my power to avoid most drugs until my mid-20s. I want to say 23 or 24 was the first time I actually did any level of drug. And this is the same level of honesty I use with my kids. Uh, Literally, I don't try to sugarcoat with my kids. Of of course, I try to sugarcoat with my kids, but I don't lie to them. I told my oldest son, I I was in my mid-20s, the first time I did any any actual narcotic-type drug. Now, we did... The guy two doors down from me, we did steal beers from his dad when maybe I was 13, maybe 14, he was 12, maybe I was 15, he was 13, something like that. And we would steal Budweiser cans of beer from his dad's and go in the beer and like three or four of us would drink it. And that was like my first experience with drugs. But that was like the thing about to me beers back then was I would drink a beer And maybe an hour or two, I'd be absolutely perfectly back to absolute normal and be able to be anywhere with my parents or whatever and be perfectly fine. And we didn't do it a lot, but I I know I did it at least probably six times in that year is what I'll say. Uh, The very first time I drank a beer, but the first time I did an actual drug, I was in my 20s. And the main reason was I believed when I was younger, when I was young, my brain was already quite messed up enough. My neural network is already 
hanging on by a thread. You know, there's no telling what's going to happen with the least bit of manipulation to my neural network. There's no telling what I could end up doing is what I kept thinking to myself. Because I thought reality was uh, very fragile and my connections to all of that were possibly equally fragile. I had no idea. I couldn't tell. You know, I only had my perspective to rely any understanding on. And and that's one of the things. I can only prove to myself that my own reality is real. Ultimately, that's the only thing I can actually prove to myself. It is my reality I believe is real. So if my reality isn't real, I'll never know. Because I'm always able to self-justify my own existence to myself. And what I'm seeing is actually real. I touch this keyboard is actually real. And and because I was unsure of everything else, I personally said, said self, hello self, let's n- just drink every now and then and let's not do any drugs for uh, a little bit. And that little bit ended up being at least into my mid-20s. And one of the things I, I, I firmly believe that this video, Cartoon All-Stars and Nancy Reagan, gets absolutely wrong. It's the same kind of thing that I carried over into my parenthood core beliefs, is what I'm going to say. One of my core beliefs about parenthood is I try not to tell my kids no. Now look, I'm not the perfect, I'm not even remotely close to the perfect parent, but I try not to tell my kids negative things. I try to tell them positive things. If I want them to stop doing something, I try not to tell them to stop doing something because people typically don't react to negative statements. So what I try to do is I try to tell my kids what they could be doing instead of what they're doing. So if I need my kid to stop humming crazily and nonstop singing for six hours straight, I'll ask him, hey, you know, do you want something to eat? AKA, do you want something else to do with your mouth? Because your singing is driving us crazy. Or my oldest son might be a little bit more insulting to somebody else. And I'll say, you know, how about we say that a little bit differently? I always try to lean towards the more positive thing, which is instead of like telling my kid to stop watching YouTube, I'll literally say, hey, do you want to do like a drawing contest? Let's try to do something positive. And I try literally not to focus on, hey, stop doing what you're doing. I always try to lean towards the more positive thing. And that was the same thing. Honestly, I remember being 15, 16 years old and a lot of people asking me about doing a lot of different things there in Dundee. And I, the number one response I remember giving was, I'm okay. No, that's okay. I'm okay. Thanks anyway, but I'm all right. I'm pretty good. I got my beer, you know, kind of re, um, re, um, replies back to him. I didn't say just say no. I didn't say no because you never, I never want to edge a conversation with a negative statement. I always want to edge all my conversations with as many positive statements as well, whether it be to myself with my kids or with people offering me drugs as a youth. So, I mean, I encourage everybody, man, you have got to look up cartoon all-stars to the rescue. This to me is amazing. It is literally amazing that such a thing was ever created. Um, and I, and I mean, I definitely understand it being freely available 
in a blockbuster because, you know, uh, they want this thing to get out as much as possible. Um, I will say again, Vine Stefaner, there will definitely be a link to this beer in the um, notes because I think this is one of the most awesome, genuine, what it means to be a beer beer. And I would have never known about this beer if it wasn't for, uh, to me, the most honorable and respectable um, guys from Dakota that moved to Texas with the last name of Holtz. So thank you very much, Tracy. Yeah, and I will say my youngest one blew me away. My wife said something to uh, our kids in the car. I believe we were in the car uh, coming home the other night. And my wife said, don't you want to be like your dad? And my youngest one said, nope, I don't want to be like my dad. And I'm sitting there almost smiling, like not sure what to say next, except for, yeah, I, I don't blame you, but why not? You know, kind of like, I don't, <laughs> okay, why not? And he said, well, because you do drugs. And I just looked at the wife and I looked at like in front of the car and I looked back at my wife. And I was like, what drugs are you talking about, buddy? And because I didn't literally know what he was going to say. My youngest one, I never know what he's going to say. Quick tangent. I don't know if I said this here. So if I did, sorry. But my youngest one literally believes one of his Christmas presents sitting in uh, under the tree he, he he used to first people tell people it was a box of shards of glass. And he literally complained to his teachers at school that his parents were unsafe because they were giving him a box of shards of glass. But now he's revised it. Now he tried to say he thinks it's a clay sculpture that we dropped and it shattered. And I said to which my wife pointed out, well, isn't that just as dangerous? And he said, yeah, but it has different intent. So I never know what this boy's going to say, but this boy said he didn't want to be like me because I did drugs. And I was literally like almost scared to ask him what he was thinking next because he knows I drink. I literally don't try to drink in front of him. Maybe once every two to three months when we go out to eat, I have a a beer or two beers with my dinner. And that's about it. When I'm, I'm home, I don't drink in front of him. And he said, well, every time dad vapes, he is vaping drugs. And I almost took a sigh of relief because this just reinforces to me just how aware and how smart that that 10-year-old is because I don't give him enough credit. Um, he is technically right. If I had nicotine in my vaporizer, I would be vaporizing what a lot of people would consider to be drugs. I will say everything is a drug, and this is one of the technicality things. If you take a look at the definition of drugs, it's anything that basically has an influence in any way over the biology of your body, whether it's sugar, whether it's cocaine, whether it's vitamin A, whether it's whatever, it's a drug. And technically, he thinks I have a lot of nicotine in my vaporizer, I believe, when I actually 99% of the time I don't have any nicotine in it. But if he wants to think that's a drug, I'm perfectly fine with him thinking that's a drug because I don't want him to do that either. So I'm perfectly fine with that. But I don't want my kids. Here's the real thing. I don't want my kids to fear drugs. I don't want my children to fear anything. I don't want my children to drive decisions of their life off of fear. I want my children to derive the decisions of their life off of education and off of some belief from some core principles that have some merit of worth listening to, I guess is what I'm going to say. But like, 
I don't, I truly don't believe there is good drugs and I don't believe there's bad drugs. I do believe that we as people have a tendency to overuse things that aren't good for us, whether it is sugar, whether it is beer, whether it is heroin, crack, cocaine, or whatever. It's just nature of the beast. That's how our biology is worked. That's how it's wired. I do hope that my kids do not, if they do use any heavy um, narcotics, that they very quickly understand how potent they can be and how manipulative they can be on your biology. Because I will say, living in Dundee, a.k.a. Glen Burnie, Maryland, I saw a shocking number of things that I do not want to ever see again. Uh, There are certain drugs that I don't want to see ever again. There are certain reactions from drugs that I never want to see again. Uh, The guy a couple doors down from me, parents didn't seem bad, horrible, whatever. Uh, He turned out to have an inordinate amount of arrest on his record and charges on his record that I think would make a lot of people like blush kind of thing. It's like a crazy amount. Right down the street from us, we had somebody else basically kill um, one of their parents. There's no soft way to put it. We just had other parents that were, you know, I uh, definitely aggressive. We had kids that we know saw a lot of definite trauma in their life. We had other people that came out like virtually unscathed, at least it seems like. We have other people that had lifelong medical conditions from getting hit by like a UPS truck and getting paid for it. We had everything, I'll say, in that short area with the number of kids that were around. And a good amount of them served at least some jail time or dead or just, you know, straight up dead. And it wasn't like I was in a ghetto, ghetto, ghetto. Yes, I was born on Grundy Street in Baltimore, Maryland, where, let me tell you something, a good amount of those people who were born there were dead because that's Grundy Street. We moved out to Glen Burnie where a lot more people lived. But I will tell you, there was a lot of bad things happening. I, I saw a fair amount of drugs. I saw a fair amount of violence. I saw a fair amount of everything. Not that I've seen everything. Not that I've witnessed everything. Not that I know anything more than anybody else knows out there. But I try to at least instill in my kids the respect for how hard life can be and how quickly drugs can. If you don't respect them, if you don't, if you aren't aware of their actual power, can literally ruin your life or actually kill you in a very short amount of time. And let me tell you something, Cartoon All-Stars does not tell you that whatsoever. Cartoon All-Stars has some fictitious puff of smoke going around like manipulating kids, which I, I don't know how successful Cartoon All-Stars was, but I, you know, if it, if it stops more kids from doing drugs back in the day, well, then I'm perfectly fine with it. But today, looking at it, it looks absolutely ridiculous. And, and I'm a guy who I watched way too many cartoons. I mean, I was born in 72, but I'm sure I was still watching normal like TV cartoons into the late 90s, which is probably far, far more than any normal person should be watching. I will also look for this file. Um, I'm going to have a link here in the notes to a Thingiverse URL. 
to mustache comb by M-I-S-T-E. Uh, I did increase the size of this by at least like 10% when I printed it. And here's the gimmick. This is one of the best examples I've ever seen in my life of examples of infill. I've seen more than a couple like school type things you could print out to help people understand what infill looks like, the different percentile. But the best example I can give is I printed two mustache combs, uh, one at normal size, one at 110, one with like an 8% infill and one with like a 15% infill. And because it's a mustache comb, even though I use it for my beard, the mustache comb is a smaller comb, maybe two, two and a half inches with a hole in one side to easily put your finger through for extra manipulation and maneuverability. But using this comb, through my beard, through like the thickest, thickest part of my beard is like the most zen-like massage I can give myself. Another tangent. Okay, we're about 48 minutes in, so sorry people. Okay, meditation, mindfulness, all of that is just the, the one of the most biggest piles of absolute fictitious, metaphysical, pre-cogitated crap that I think I've ever heard of in my life. Anything can give you an equal amount of positive effect or reaction or mental state or zen or whatever in the hell kind of woo-woo word you want to assign to your state of mind. Anything can give you that amount of clarity, amount of response, amount of reaction time, amount of memory performance increase, amount of happiness, whatever in the hell fictitious thing you want to call an amount of number two, anything can give you that amount of positivity back. It doesn't have to be Hindu-based, religious-based, mindfulness meditation techniques, okay? Meditation is fine if you as an individual cannot think of any other way to give yourself positive influence, positive vibes, positive thinking, mindfulness, awareness, spiritualness, whatever you want to put this. I don't care how you want to classify this. I keep saying different words because there's so many of them for it because it's nonsensical mind state. Okay. These little mustache combs given the right resistance with just a very touch of like 110 sandpaper over top. It's just to get rid of some bumps. And just combing this, I can literally sit here in a chair for multiple hours and just let the comb get in as deep as it can possibly get into my beard, into my goatee, and just comb, and just comb. And thinking deeply about things as I feel the, the individual like contour of my face. Because I ain't got no hair no more. I used to have thick hair, but I ain't got no hair anymore. Now I sit here with this mustache comb going through my beard and things become much clearer. I got time to sit here and think. And if I want to, I can just sit here and think positive thoughts. That's all meditation is. All meditation is a confirmation bias of self-reinforcing mental stereotypes. Or I can just sit here and keep thinking positive ways I can get through work positive ways and I can communicate with my wife, positive ways I can help influence my children's behaviors, thoughts, beliefs, and ideas about what to do and when to do stuff. Or I can just sit here and reflect on nostalgic things 
that really just make me smile. Because here's the thing. You can play a game, whether it be Call of Duty, whether it be, well, Fortnite, Stardew Valley, or anything else. You can mustache comb your beard for multiple hours a day, and people can look at you like you're weird. Or you can follow meditation gurus and try to achieve a state of mindfulness and peace and understanding and belief and positive energy and woo-woo and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter at all. All that matters is your own perspective on reality. I encourage everybody to just think of finding a way, If you, no matter what your age is, in 2019, if you have not found a way to temporarily pause, temporarily slow down, temporarily disconnect, temporarily go into solitude, temporarily find a state of Zen, temporarily om, whatever the hell you want to call it. In 2019, I honestly encourage everyone to just turn inward. Look at everything that you do, everything that you touch, everything that you influence, everything that influences you, everything that touches you, everything that happens all around you and every day and stop and think, what do you want to do? Why are you here? Why do you want to be here? What would you like to happen? What would you like to do? Who would you want to be around? Why would you want to be around those people? We have unusual amounts of power in our determination that we as human beings do not even begin to start to comprehend. Um, The like crust of the bagel of the just barely scraping into this possibility. We have the um, placebo effect where just because we think we have something done to us, we are literally able to manipulate the physical universe around us. I don't think people really understand the depth and the severity of that. We believe that if we are told that this thing is going to do something to ourselves in our physical environment, we can take such a thing and actually have it affect something just because we thought it could happen. Not because of the chemical reactions, not because of anything happening because of the actual physical pill itself, but only because of our cognizant consciousness thought it should happen so it happened that is the pla um placebo effect uh, pe- people try to m- minimize it by calling it the sugar pill effect but that's not really what it is before it was the quote unquote sugar pill effect and i want to say this was a curiosity.com i can't remember what it was but we're be- we're before the idea of the scientific method and testing and blind testing and all that kind of stuff. Placebos were a normal prescribed thing where the doctor would tell you, I'm giving you this placebo. Okay. And then the doctor would say, you should feel better because of this. You should blah, 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 because of this. And they knew because of the manipulation effect, some percentage of the patients would feel better. That's the placebo effect. The doctor giving you nothing, telling you it should make you feel better, and it actually making you feel better when there's no scientific reason for it to make you feel better. The mind controls all. Perception is reality. I'm really sorry I've said that so much, but I have.
This is episode 19. We've almost made it to episode 20. Once we make it to episode 20, then technically we have destroyed something like 98% of all the podcasts that ever get produced to iTunes, which is funny, I will say. If anybody wants a mustache comb and you look in the notes, these things literally take, I want to say, 10 minutes to print. It's so sickeningly quick how quick these things print. Then I just take a uh, little bit of 110 sandpaper, give it just a couple quick rubs, and that's all it really needs. And the different stiffnesses of it uh, literally like react and feel different. I know, um, at least when I was younger, and I would uh, have different hairbrushes, there were definite different hairbrushes that felt differently, and there were some of them that were really good for like massaging, and some of them were good for just combing my hair, straightening it up. That's why I like having multiple mustache combs. There's some I just like because they just help me straighten out my little thing I call a goatee, a beard. And then there's the one with a little bit more flexibility that just seems like hug a little bit more. And I'll say it's like a drug. Because I classify a drug as something that interacts with you that then becomes difficult to stop and easy to say yes to. So when I'm sitting there and I look to the side and I see a mustache comb sitting on my end table next to my drink and my vaporizer while I'm watching a YouTube video, it's too easy to say yes to. And I'm never going to be able to find this link, so I'm going to mention this anyway. I ran journalist arrested like eight years ago, just got released about a year ago about that. It's something like that. One of the interviews he just gave, he said what he did not understand was how the democratization, democratization of the internet has went completely crazy. And how the internet is now not the internet. The internet is now television. People are able to load up internet on a mobile phone and have a TV-like experience. And what he means is you can simply open up your phone, turn it on, click one button, and then literally have something that never ends that keeps going forever like television. That was one of the flaws about television compared to a newspaper in a lot of people's mind back in the day was you could turn on the television and just... Literally, never allow yourself to think again because this thing would never stop and you could just sit in front of it forever. Now, with internet on our phones, unlike back in the day, if you went to dig.com back in the day, there was an end to it. If you went back to any of your websites back in the day and you went there, there was an end to it. Now, when you go to Facebook, now when you go to Twitter, now when you go to Mastodon, now when you go to MeWe, now when you go to YouTube, now when you go to Vimeo, now when you go to Netflix, now when you go to Amazon Video, now where you go to anything that you access on the internet, it never ends. And it's very bad because that what that means is then those websites now have an infinite amount of content to offer you which now allows them to be selectively biased and try to trigger you into going for that endless dopium, 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 can't say the word, um, the brain stimulation effect, okay? That's why I don't like the public-facing internet, and I heard this Iranian journalist put it much more eloquently than I ever can. The internet is now not the internet. The internet now is like TV back in the 90s. Endless useless crap and the problem is people are are okay with endless useless crap just like back in the day back in the 90s we were perfectly okay with not having pristine audio and we were perfectly fine with endless 
crudless quality MP3 audio files, and people couldn't understand why were we why were we okay with this horrible quality of audio? Because we as humans don't care about quality. We humans care about quality. And as long as we get something like television on our phone, whether it be a Facebook feed, a MeWe feed, or whatever feed, as long as it doesn't end, we will sit there forever. It's almost like a dare, like a game. We want to see if we can outbeat it. And for some reason, we think when we're on Facebook, we're like have genuine interactions with anybody when we don't even have genuine interactions with ourselves when we are on those things. We, we just lose time. We lose effect. We lose touch. And we lose personal connections with anybody. Um, I know more than a couple people who spend eight plus hours a day, it seems like, on these social feeds. And nobody I've ever met seems any better for being on these feeds than I am, is what I'll say. Um, if you want to like hang out with me on Mattermost, which is like a private IRC server, don't hesitate. Shoot me an email, ddg at ponus.com or doordoorgeek at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to hang out with IRC, I've been definitely more on IRC much more in the last week than previously. I'm literally probably going to hang out more on IRC as time goes on, only because A, it ain't busy, and B, it's very easy and low bandwidth to stay on such a thing. Uh, I don't want things to kill all my bandwidth. Um, if you want to hang out on Discord, let me know. Uh, Discord is, again, remarkably mature for how old it is. It is not that old, but it is remarkably stable and mature for what it is. Um, it has voice channels in it that nobody's on. I don't know why. If you want to do voice chat, don't hesitate. Uh, shoot me an email. I will connect with you on Voxer. Do not just go installing Voxer because you shouldn't. You let me know and I'll tell you how to install Voxer so it does not scan all of your personal information. Because everything this day wants every bit of your personal information. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their support. Hope everyone has a good holiday, a good Festivus, a good Hanukkah, a good Christmas, a good Kwanzaa. And I'm sure I'm offending somebody because I'm forgetting something. This is 2018. The one thing is you have the liberty and you have the right to be offended each and every day you're alive. And if today that, that that's my job, I'm sorry, but tomorrow it'll be somebody else's job. Uh, I'll talk to everyone again real soon. My name is Jeff Halich. I'm the host of Podnuts, the Computer Repair Podcast, where we take live calls on the air to answer your questions on running and operating your computer repair business every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check it out over at podnets.com forward slash computer repair podcast live. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.